to Daniel, the prophet. Some say he's a prophet. Others say he's not a prophet. He's among the prophets. We certainly will not do justice to Daniel this morning. Daniel in some, what, 13 chapters? 12, 13 chapters? How many chapters is in Daniel? Anybody know? Okay, thanks. Add a chapter. Um, here's what I'm doing in this little four-part series of looking at the prophets. And sometimes I refer to the prophetic period as the lost Bible. People will know a variety of parts about their Bible. Maybe it's Genesis that they've read many times before. Maybe it's the Gospels about the Lord Jesus or the Epistles of Paul. Uh, but repeatedly when I say or ask people, so in, in the Bible... In the Old and New Testament, what would you say is your Achilles heel? What would you say is your weak spot if you had a place in that? And repeatedly, more answer, more single answer than any other is the period of the prophets. Now, I think that that's a terrible shame. New Testament repeatedly says, as it says in the prophets, as it says in uh, the the gospel and the prophets, the prophets and the apostles, prophets, 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 prophets in the New Testament. And so if we're really going to understand what's happening there in the New Testament, we are going to understand what's happening in the prophets. And many years ago, I attended the Bible College in Columbia, South Carolina, and there there were some wonderful teachers, at least in this young mind, ready to soak up anything that somebody was delivering to me. And and James Buckhatch, um, really a family professor, wonderful, godly man, but he loved the boys. I called them the boys. You see, he loved the boys. He loved the prophets. And uh, he was about 102 when I took the prophets with him. And um, and he just wanted to talk to you about about. I wanted you to breathe just a little bit. Let's not just turn through the pages. Let's meet the prophets. And he was a, not the first one to explain the history of the prophets during that time. Actually, the Lord was gracious to me to teach me himself. Now, no, not face to face like Paul, but in my laundry room. Did he say laundry room? Yeah, he, he said laundry room. There's the washer and the dryer and a solid core door on four four-by-four posts in a room not as big as this pulpit. Okay, that's an exaggeration. But it was a teeny little room. But with an infant in the little duplex that we lived in, wife sleeping, I had to find some place. And so... Um, if you want to be spiritual about it, God took me to the laundry room. And with a butcher block piece of paper, I turned these pages. Now, it's very important to know this kind of thing. I'm very happy to be a teacher today. Uh, you know, if I raise my voice somewhere along the line and fall into the preacher line, then, then that's fine. But oh, I wish that you would, would, would huddle up, yay, even maybe cuddle up, to understanding the Bible 
a little bit. See, Daniel's here, but if you want to learn about Daniel's context, you've got to go back here. Our Bible is put together in somewhat of a confusing way. The, the, the history, the context of what they're talking about is found back here in the books of 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, books of 1 Kings, 2 Kings, the book of 1 Chronicles and 2 Chronicles. Now, folks, those are books in the Old Testament for sure, but they come before our poetic books. We stick poetry in between the history and the message. You say, why do we do that? Well, that's the way the Hebrew Bible was put together. And so we have to get the context back here in the Kings, and then we read the message over here in the Prophets. Now, when you go back there and get the history, which is the context, which is absolutely essential, God is a God of history. See, that's what one of the things that makes of evangelical Christianity different than any other religion on the planet. History matters. Facts matter. Historical evidence matters. Not just mystical spirituality, but facts matter. Did this happen? Matters. And so we have the history back here, and the context is very, very important. Now, what I did from, from James Buck Hatch, which I would have never called him Buck, I would have always called him Mr. Hatch, and from Mary Faith Phillips, have to give credit to Mary Faith. Mary Faith in the Bible College taught um, teaching Bible for teachers and all kinds, Sharon, creative ways of learning the Bible. And by the end of the semester, students would come in with, with a sheet cake, and in the icing, was the story of the Bible. Or they would come in with other kinds of graphic projects or writings or drawings or graphs, just all kinds of creative things to say, here's the story of the Bible and here's how you can teach it to others. And one day, a hundred years ago, I said, you know, that's a valuable tool. I need to come up with some way to teach that. And so, some of you have seen my pictorial survey of the Bible. It's stick figures. If so, anybody can sit down, take a pencil, and draw a stick man, or a little this, or a little that, and, and, and go through the story of the Bible. And, and when it comes to the prophets, I just simply reduced it down to the ABCs. The ABCs. And you know your ABCs, and I use that as an illustration to say, if you know your ABCs, you can know the context for the king and the prophet, the kings and the prophets. God's people were divided. Ten tribes in the north, two tribes in the south. And there was a kingdom of Assyria that lived attacked the ten tribes to the, to the north. Now God sent prophets to those people to tell them to repent, but they didn't repent and say they were removed. That's the first category of prophets. The two tribes to the south have a good king, bad king, good king, back and forth, back and forth, until finally God said, I don't do roller coasters and faithfulness, and I'm going to appoint another nation, not the Assyrians, but the Babylonians. And the Babylonians came and attacked the two tribes to the south three times. So that's A and B. 
But unlike ten tribes to the north who would be removed and never come back to Israel, the two tribes to the south would be removed for 70 years. And then when Cyrus, king of Persia, C, said go home, you can go back home. A, B, C. You can do that. And in that fall the prophets. Prophets to Assyria. Prophets to Judah before they went into captivity. Prophets to Judah in captivity. And prophets to Judah after they go back home. Four categories of prophets. And since there's four categories of prophets, I decided in these last four sermons that I have with you to introduce you to the boys. Or at least one representative of each of the categories. And you can see that. We started with Amos. Amos from Tekoa, a sheep herder. Not a prophet. His dad wasn't a prophet. God told me to come up here and say this to you. You are arrogant idolaters. That's a great message to say. Huh? There's a, there's a wonderful... You live below the Mason-Dixon line and you're coming up here to the north and telling us that we are a bunch of arrogant idolaters. Any volunteers in the room? <coughs> probably, probably not. Uh, the last time I came to you was in the second category of the prophets. I wanted at least one. There are many of them. Micah's one, Isaiah's one, Zephaniah's one, Obadiah's another, Nahum's another, Joel's another. All of those prophets, the largest group of prophets, are prophets who prophesied to Judah before they were taken away by the Babylonians. One of those, though, lived right at the time, right at the very time, why he could see the dust of the horses coming over the horizon, and his name was Habakkuk. And Habakkuk had a problem. Habakkuk was a man of God who said, I'm praying to you, God, and guess what, God? You're not listening. There is trouble. There's violence. I cry out for help, but where are you? And by the time we get to the end of Habakkuk, God has shown himself to Habakkuk. All Habakkuk can do is sing. <laughs> all he can say is, is that all of nature stops doing what nature has been doing for thousands of years, yet I will praise the Lord my God. It's a great book, Habakkuk. I wish I could tell you about all the boys. But we come now to the third category, and that is those prophets who prophesied when Judah was in captivity. And we get a rare look at one of the two. Who were the two? Daniel and Ezekiel. Daniel went first. Many of you know the story. Some of you don't. When Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, attacked Judah and carried them away, he said, I don't want you to come empty-handed in this first attack. Probably came in 605. He said, this is what I want you to bring back. This is Nebuchadnezzar saying to his generals, this is what I want you to bring back to Babylon. I want you to bring back some of the articles that I've heard about that are in their temple. I've heard that their temples laden over with gold. they got a lot of gold, silver things in there, the treasury that's in there. I've heard that they've got a lot of wealth. I want you to bring that back. And the second thing that I want you to bring back is I want you to bring back, I want you to bring back the sharp people. I want you to bring back the people with a noggin. I want you to bring back the people who are skilled and talented. 
I want you to, I want you to, particularly, I want you to look at the up-and-comers. I want you to use your wisdom and your intuition and, and, and locate maybe some young people who are really aspiring to great things. I want you to bring them back. And that's what happens here in the opening chapter of Daniel. Now, this is what I want to do. I know it's a long introduction, and I'm teaching here, but that's just okay. Um, I have, almost idiotically, attributed a certain character to each one of the boys. I may be really, really wrong. You ever done that? You ever done that? You ever listened to a personality on the radio and said, oh, that young lady, she must be, you know, uh, six foot two, or that guy, he must look like this, and you picture things in your mind, and then you see him on a commercial, or you meet him on person in a live thing, and say, wow, I thought you were a blonde, and you're not. I thought, you, wow, you really are short, aren't you? you know? I mean, they look differently than you've pictured in your mind. Well, okay, I could be very, very wrong about who the prophets are, but I try and take it from the text. Now, I'm not interested in preaching psychology to you, but from the text, I want you to meet the boys. Now, what about they? See, I'm afraid of Amos. Amos is going to take that bony finger and say, you idolater. <laughs> you know. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a Isaiah. Wow, what a mind. I mean, Isaiah, 66 chapters, knows everything. I don't know I want to meet Daniel. Not because I'm afraid of him like I'm afraid of Amos. In fact, I would go so far as to say to you very seriously, if God will allow me in these whatever 15, 20, 25 years I have left to be more and more every day like Daniel, I would die a happy person. Daniel. You know when you walk into a room sometimes, say there's, say there's 13, 14 feet people in the room. Maybe they've been called together to organize some, some activity. Maybe it's a community activity. It doesn't matter what activity it is. There's a group of people. And, and after 10 minutes, after 15 minutes of talk amongst the group and that sort of thing, you begin to sense, oh, there's a sharp gal. I mean, she sounds like she knows what she's talking about. There's a guy. Oh, you know, he doesn't really come across bombastic. He's kind of humble, quiet. But, you know, when he speaks, when he, boy, he speaks like some, you know, that guy might be able to be head of our committee. He, you know how you begin to pick up on those clues? Somebody nod your head at me, would you? You know what I'm saying? You, you, sometimes you get in a room and you, you do some analysis, not formally, just like, whoa, you know, I think that that guy, maybe, maybe we could talk to him about, maybe we could talk to her about leading the, the committee. It's just, it just comes readily. This is Daniel. Oh, Daniel. Daniel, you're not like the other. I don't know about Daniel. And so what I want to do is introduce to you, maybe for the first time, Daniel. I know I'm whispering. Can you hear me? Maybe we need to turn it up. Don't go to sleep. Oh, don't go to sleep on Daniel. Let's go to sleep on me, but don't. These aren't even my notes. What is this? I don't, I don't even have notes, people. Just a Bible. Let's, let's, meet, let's meet Daniel. I call him the prophet of integrity. And when these pages come out at you, how much time do we have today? When these pages come out, you begin.
to meet Daniel. First of all, I want you to, to know the context so Daniel saw it all. Daniel saw it all. You see, Daniel was taken captive. Okay, here we go. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. So I think that's the first uh, uh, siege of Jerusalem, 605. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. And so right there we get the beginning of, of Daniel, because we're going to see that he appointed Ashpenaz to bring back some of them. And by the time we get down to verse 6, we see that one of the young guys he brought back was among these were Daniel and the other guys that came. So Daniel was born and lived. How old? We don't know. 11, 12, 13. We don't know how old he was. 14, 15? I'm not sure. Well, why do you make him that young? Well, one of the reasons that I make him that young, go with me, chapter 1 now, over to verse 21. Chapter 1, verse 21, and after whatever happened in between here about Daniel's faithfulness, you know some of the stories, some of you do, but in verse 21 it says, And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. Okay? ABCs? You know that now. ABCs. You see, there was a Syrian crisis. That's gone now. Now we're in the Babylonian crisis. He's being captured. But according to Jeremiah, that Daniel also repeats, they're going to be there for how many years? Yes, right. 70 years. Okay. Now he's here. If you go to Ezra, my buddy, and you read chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, he made a proclamation. Let the Jews go back home after 70 years. So, how long is Daniel there? He was taken captive, and he's there all the way to the end. And if you really pinpointed it, when we get down to another few chapters here, actually within the book of Daniel, Daniel is going to still be on the scene in the third year of King Cyrus. How far he went into the reign of Cyrus, we don't know. But Daniel goes from one end to the other end, what did Daniel see? Oh, my friend, Daniel saw it all. Daniel saw everything. Chapter 6, verse 28 will tell us that Daniel ministered during the reigns of Darius, Cyrus and Darius. Daniel saw it all. May I say at this point, because it's not really in the text, it's very picked out, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep you with me because I want you to learn this guy. Not once in all of these, thank you, 12 chapters. Not once in all of these 12 chapters does Danny go, Here am I. Everybody bow down. You know, I'm in the room. In fact, in every situation that you look through in all of this, they had to go find him. They need to call him back onto the scene. Daniel's not an upfront kind of guy, but he saw everything. What did he see? What did he see? He saw what Habakkuk saw. Hello? He saw what Habakkuk saw. Where was Daniel? 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, I don't know. 
You're going to add 70 years to that, so now he's what, 84, 85, 92, 94? We don't know. But he sees it all. Daniel saw it all. His young eyes seeing the army come. Uh, as a boy being carried away in captivity, taken. And in this first chapter, you probably know that story. Here's the king's food. We want you guys to eat, be strong, study. We want to use you guys. You're pretty sharp guys. Daniel, bam. Right out of the gate. He's still a boy. I don't know, teenager probably. Daniel saw it all. And Daniel saw the Persians come in. Watch this now. Daniel saw the Persians come in and defeat the Babylonians. They were captured by the Babylonians. And the Babylonians, by the end of the 70 years, was, were captured, were destroyed by the Medes and the Persians. I'm telling you what, I just, I, I just want you to get in. I'm patient. Me? And I got my house, and now I'm 84 years old. I'm saying, God, have I not seen enough? I mean, what's going to happen to us now? We Jews who are here, you brought us over here, now these people are being defeated. I mean, I'm pacing up and down trying to figure out, let's get a committee together and figure out what I And that is so far away from Daniel. It's amazing. Daniel saw it all. But in the midst of seeing it all, Daniel stood Daniel's, this is really the heart of what I want to say, say to you about Daniel. And so, um, and, and for those of you who have to have an application to a sermon, I have an application. But not until you spend a little time with me. Wake up! Come on. Okay, here we go. So, Daniel stood tall in the midst of all of this. Well, well what do you mean? Well, just right out, right out of the gate, as I've already said. Here we go. Um, they wanted to feed them the king's food, be strong. Look at Daniel's response in verse 8 of chapter 1. But Daniel. That's pretty much his characteristic right there. But Daniel. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine he drank. Now, I know you want to know the story. Half of you in the room want me to get to chapter 9 so I can talk about eschatology and end times, all that. You're going to be sorely disappointed. All I'm going to do is make you want to go home and read it for yourself. <laughs> but a teenager says, and, and, and look the way he does it. So I wish you see. And when you get it from the text, therefore he asked, I'm not eating this food. No, he didn't. That's not Daniel. That's not Daniel. Daniel, in my opinion, respectfully went and asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief, the eunuchs. And the chief eunuch said to Daniel, Well, but I fear the Lord the king. He's fearing for his life. And Daniel's basic response in verse 12 is, Test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let the appearance uh, and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed. Put us to the test. Are you beginning? Is anybody beginning to get a little feel for the profit of integrity? I'm not. It's no good food. I ain't, you know, this is against our traditions. No, you know what? Give us this, you give them that, and then you decide. Does anybody see integrity in that? Wow. I, I see incredible integrity in that. Chapter 2. Would you meet him? 
chapter 2, verse 27. Chapter 2, 27. Now, again, the background, the whole situation, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and he called for all his magicians and sorcerers come in and, and interpret his dream. And magicians and sorcerers came in, said, okay, king, we're ready. Tell us the dream. We'll interpret it. Okay? The king pulled a whammy on it. This is what the king said. The king said, uh-uh, not going to work that way. You tell me the dream and the interpretation. I said, okay, nobody can do that. There's nobody that can do that. Be careful, I, because when I'm finished this part right here, you're going to get a greater taste, Daniel. Nobody can do that. Absolutely nobody. Well, but then somebody hears, you know, Ariok hears that there's a wise guy among the Hebrews. He can interpret dreams. Um, Daniel says to, to, to this guy, Ariok, hey, wait a minute. Before you go killing everybody, give me a little time to pray about this thing. And maybe God will give me something. And God indeed gave Daniel an interpretation, the dream and the interpretation. So Daniel went back to Ariok and he said, Ariok, don't kill anybody. Take me to the king. And so Ariok took Daniel to the king. And the king says, oh, so you're the one who can interpret dreams. And that's me again. See, I'm contrasting. I really wish, I hope, would you pray for me in the next 15, 20 years? I become more like Daniel. Because I'm like, well, King, I don't know, you know. Some people say I'm pretty good at it, you know. I can give it a shot. You know what Daniel said? Look at it. I know I read it in text, it's better. It is better in text. You know, but listen to this. You know what Daniel said at that moment? He said the same thing the magicians and the sorcerers did. Uh, he didn't just say, at this point, he does later, but at this point, he didn't just, just say, he didn't just say, no, you know, I don't think I can do it, but I think God could give it to me. He didn't say that. He followed, I mean, this is how deep this guy's integrity is. King, what your magicians and your sorcerers said to you is correct. No man can do that. Does anybody get my point? If no man can do it, Daniel's saying, not even me. I can't even do that. Look at it, 27 and following. And Daniel answered the king, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. Now, I might have gone right to, maybe I would be holy enough at that point to go right and say, you know, uh, uh, King, I believe that God can give you it. But he, he just backs it up a little bit. Okay, dead point. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Now, it's true that he gets rewarded for that. But, but for a moment, just go over to chapter 4, verse 24. Chapter 4, I'm turning in my Bible to verse 24. And this is, a, this is another dream. This is the interpretation of it. It's taken a little while to get all the way here. But finally in 24, Daniel's speaking. He says, this is the interpretation to this particular king here. 
And he says, this is different, but he says, this is the interpretation. And remember, I'm just giving the character of Daniel. This is the interpretation, O king. It is decreed of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the king, that you shall be driven from among men. This is a different dream. I didn't tell you the dream before. I'm not going to unpack that dream. I'm showing you Daniel. Daniel is before another king. Another king has had a dream. It's a dream about some crazy things turning into a beast and eating grass and being wet from heaven. Just some crazy, bizarre, you would think, kinds of things. And now Daniel's been brought in to interpret this dream. And Daniel says, okay, here's the interpretation, king. He's in the king's court. He's in front of the king. And he said that you shall be driven from among men. And your dwelling shall be with the beast. I'm in the king's court. God has given his word. I mean, could I be ridiculous for just a second? Here I am back in the study. I'm Daniel. God has given the interpretation. Okay, you need to go tell Belteshazzar... Uh, that he's going to be turned into a beast and that he's going to graze on grass like a cow, that he's going to be wet with the dew from heaven and he's going to stay that way for times and times and, and half a times he's going to be in this situation. And I'm like, you want me to do what? <laughs> do you not know that now among these kings, that if you go into the court of the king in any fashion to distress the king, all he has to do is blink and your head is chopped off. And here Daniel goes in after God has given the word and he says, this is what's going to happen to you. 5.17. What in the world does it say in, in, in 5.17? Oh, look at this. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, King is like, wow. It's another one, handwriting on the wall. You can read the handwriting on the wall. Some of you know Daniel. You'll have to go see, you're gonna have to go back and read now, aren't you? I don't know what he's talking about. But Daniel interpreted the handwriting on the wall. And the king said, Daniel, here is a gold crown for you. Here are gifts. Here are things, great rewards for you. You know what Daniel said after reading the handwriting on the wall that nobody else could read and understand and interpret? Daniel said, Then Daniel answered and said to the king, Let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Oh, what a You want to give me what? Nice ring? You know? Wow. Church wants to give you a new car. Keep, keep your gifts. Keep those things. Oh, I've got to stop, don't I? Um, oh, yeah, but what about the lion's den? Huh? What about the lion's den? Evildoers in the area, in the neighborhood, Daniel thinks he's that bag of chips, all that, and you know what he used to say? the 70s or 90s or whatever it is that you said that. He thinks he's hot stuff, right? We'll get him. Let's go tell the king because we know this Daniel. We know what he does. Let's go tell the king 
to make a decree that if anybody prays to any god or image other than you, that they're going to be thrown into the lions. And if you read through the text, oh, I'm going to read through the text, because the word is, is there. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house to do what? To do exactly opposite of what the decree said. What a guy. And there's so much more. But in the midst of seeing all this going around him, Daniel stood tall. I call him the prophet of integrity. No matter what the circumstance that came up, Daniel was all, I mean, just at the point where you and I would write the story about a person of integrity, uh, about a person of integrity, Daniel does a one-upmanship. He, 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 he surprises you. Okay, well, give me a robe, give me a ring. I, I don't need all that much. I just need a little bit. No, you keep your prizes. You keep your rewards. You give them to somebody else. You don't give them to me. Wow. I wish we had more of that in the pulpit, even right now. I really do. But finally, David, David, Daniel. How many times have I said David? Was that the first time? Okay, praise the Lord. You know, at my age, we say things that we shouldn't say. Daniel knew. Daniel, Daniel saw it all. Daniel stood tall. And Daniel knew when to fall. Daniel knew when to fall. When did Daniel fall? Go back to 6.10. I didn't completely read it all, but that's where I left off. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber and opened toward Jerusalem. He got down. You see... If you're looking at the integrity of this person, he's still at that point, between a rock and a hard place, facing the lion, facing at least the possibility of going to the lions at that point. The man didn't just go to his house, New Testament, go into his closet and pray in private. The man went home to where the windows faced Jerusalem, in this case, west, and he opened up the windows so that everybody could see. And he got down on his knees and he prayed. Oh, that I would be a person like that. Oh, that I would have that integrity to be a person like that. Now here I'm bringing it home for some application. What should I say to you in my last days? saying that, I tell you, if you, I'm going to chastise you for a moment. If you understood the heart of God, if you understood the mission of God, if you understood the gospel progressing, you wouldn't take so um, negative a posture about one pastor going and another pastor coming. This, this is everything we've preached and taught about for at least these nine and a half years. And, and what I would say to you is, is, that, is that in these last days, what should I say to you? Should I go to Matthew chapter 24? 
Should I go to Matthew chapter 24? Should I, is it my responsibility in these last words that I have with you to go to Matthew 24 and say, so when you see the abomination of desolation, this is terrible things in the end times, folks. Look at it. Come on. Here. Terrible things in the end times. Great wars, great famines, earthquakes. Before we see a new heaven and a new earth, we see destruction. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is in the housetop not go down to take what is in his house. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. Pray, in verse 20, that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For when there will be, then there will be a great tribulation, such as not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise, perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand, Daniel and Jesus. So if they say to you, look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he is in the inner room, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, the vultures will gather. Now here is my applicable points, and then I have three, but here's my applicable points of taking you through what I would say is the character of Daniel. And then Matthew follows up and says, as Daniel said. And I begin to see Daniel being that man in the room. That man, I'm not saying that other people are not, don't have integrity, the other prophets, but this is the characteristic of the man. And Daniel spoke many prophecies. Oh, king, let me tell you what's going to happen. You are the head of gold, and your head is going to get chopped off. And after you is going to be another nation who has two parts, the Medes and the Persians. But God's going to wipe them out. And after the Medes and the Persians, there's going to come one leading and sweeping across the world like a, a leopard with, with wings on him so fast he destroys. And that's Greece, and they're out of the way. And after Greece, they'll be crushed by something that looks like iron and clay. And that iron and clay will destroy everything in its march. And that's the Romans. And everything that Daniel says through these visions, if you don't know what I'm saying, you've got to go back and read it. Everything that Daniel says through these visions happened in history, in facts. And so I say to you that when we read Matthew about the things coming, and Daniel is quoted as a source, and you can read the book of the Revelation and see how much Daniel is in the book of the Revelation. My friends, take the warning seriously. 
It is a future fact. Because I believe God used a man of integrity in the face of every opportunity to turn in another direction to say, this is the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. <laughs> so what should we do? Very quickly, I flash back for just three points of application for those of you who so desperately need it. I don't always need it. Tell you the truth, I'm good right now. I'm good to go back and read Daniel again and learn more, but I'm good right now. Just But for those, I'm condescending, aren't I? Shouldn't do that. Oh, would you fall in love with the word of God, that it would be sufficient. Chapter 2, verse 30. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me. You remember I told you? Nobody can do what you're asking, King. But this mystery has been revealed to me. But look what he asked. Are you getting the love, Daniel? I hope so. Look what he had. This mystery has been revealed to me. Not because of any wisdom that I have, more than all the living. It's not something that I've been in. You want a point of application, and you want to be a person of integrity, then remember the grace that God has shown on you. And by definition, that grace is not anything that you earned. Are you a Christian? Oh, I tell you today, yes, Jesus Christ is the only way. He's the truth and the life. There is no other name given among men whereby we must, can, be saved but the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. But that's not a cause for you to go, I'm one of the ones that are in. Why stick out your chest and act like some arrogant? That's not Daniel. Why Daniel says, you know what? Maybe God's revealed it to me. But God hasn't even revealed it to me because I'm something special. I want you to know, Christian, look at me. You're not special. I don't care who's writing the books and telling you you have your best life now and how valuable you are in the sight of God. Let me tell you what. You are a sinner saved by grace. That's it. There's no reason to be haughty at other people of other religions, other faith beliefs. It's a reason to humble yourself and to call up to, to God and say, Oh God, do that which only you can do because I can't. Use my words, use my love, use my compassion, use my way of life to communicate a gospel of grace. Remember the grace that has been shown to you. Be like Daniel. Nothing special. God, now he's special. I'm nothing special. And that's the first thing that I would say to you. The second thing is back over in 517, and I know that I've, I've read it once, and I've said this to you through the ages, and I really like it because it's deep in my life. It, it's what I, 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 I had kind of a Damascus Road conversion. I was going in this direction, not knowing the Lord. I mean, in this direction, and in a matter of days, if not instantly, I was going in this direction. And I couldn't explain it, and nobody around me could explain it. And so I use Paul's words that if you've been bought with a price, you're no longer your own. But over in 5.17, this is what I read it to you before. But then Daniel answered and said, Let's, uh, and said before the king, let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Remember I read that? I'm not, I'm not that old. I know I read it. But if you've been bought with a price, you can't be bought. Say it again. 
If you've been bought with a price, you can't be bought. Wow. If you really believe that, what a life of integrity you and I would live. World, you can't take anything away from me that belongs to me so much that I have to clutch onto it like, this is mine! If you've been bought with a price, you can't be bought. Don't, don't, don't try and persuade me with the gifts and the treasures. I don't, give, give, give them to somebody else. Because I've been bought with a price. That price is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He died in my place. All my blood wouldn't get me halfway to heaven. Wouldn't get me off planet Earth. It's not perfect. It's not stainless like the unblemished lamb of, of, of God who paid his sacrifice in my place. That God would be accepted. God satisfied and accept the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ for me. And now when God looks at a buzz and says, why should I let him in? He's clothed in the righteousness. He's clothed in the right standing. He's clothed in Christ. And that's the only reason. I've been bought with the price, therefore I can't be bought. And thirdly, I'd say to you, let the world see your dependence. And I'm back to the same Chapter and verse again. Then the king, when he, excuse me, 610, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed and went to his house where he had windows in the upper chamber open toward Jerusalem, he got down on his knees three, not just once, three times. He got down on his knees and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. You want application? Pray and ask God to give you that heart of integrity, that honesty. I've been bought with the price. You can't tempt me outside of this thing. And, and, and then let them see that. Well, why? why, why? Boy, you're kind of weird, aren't you? Like that? You're, you're weird. And, and that's your moment. That's your moment to say, you know what? You're right. The Bible says I'm a peculiar person. I've been purchased by God. The Lord Jesus is my Lord. And let him see it. Let him see it. You know, that's one of the things as he closes the Bible with that. That's one of the things I do when we're out at the restaurant. I, I'm not Daniel. Oh, Lord knows I wish I was Daniel. I don't mean actually, but more like his character. You know what I mean. But one thing that I do when I'm over a meal out at the restaurant, Pretty much every time, whether it's silently or out loud, Lord, let this prayer be seen. Now, God knows my heart. You can't, you can't talk to God and at the same time saying, hey, God, make sure everybody in the restaurant looks at me and knows that I'm a holy guy and, and that, you know, wow, he must be so, yes. Oh, then that just destroys it, doesn't it? That just wipes it out. But on the same side, God... Would you allow other people to see you, somebody who depends upon you? That's just a part of the prayer. God, would you let it be seen? You want some application? Let your Jesus be seen in you, through you. Father, I pray that we would fall in love with your word this morning, particularly in the person of our friend Daniel.
God, I thank you for calling him out. I thank you for giving him the grace gifts of being a man of integrity at every turn with the opportunity to make something big of himself. He returns it to you. Lord, I pray for your people seated here the sound of my voice that at minimum they would go back and read Daniel. And, and just for a moment is my plea that we set aside all of the uh, ulterior motives about intricacies and theology and end times and, and meet your servant first. And then once meeting, get the entire message for sure. And coming away a little bit more like him. Thank you for using him. And thank you for the grace that you have delivered to him. And making that grace, right now, the sound of my voice, every person in this room can know you, can walk this way with you because of that grace. I pray that you would call them out. Help them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Church. Would you stand, please? I want to have a time to respond and ask our prayer team to be here at the front. If you'd like to receive prayer, would you come?